Welcome to The Deeper You Go, The Weirder It Gets. I'm your host, Garrett Rennan. Okay, so let's talk about the power of words. So for the last several years, I have been deeply involved in the realm of plant medicines. I have attended many plant plant medicine ceremonies as a participant, and now for the last two and a half years, I have been a ceremony assistant. And for those of you that don't know, plant medicine ceremonies are not necessarily about the experience. It's not necessarily about having fun or tripping your balls off. Sure, the psychedelic experience is definitely there, and it can be absolutely fascinating. It's not the purpose. The purpose is about being guided into the spirit world so that you may learn, grow, and heal. And when done right, when conducted in the right environment with the right people, a plant medicine ceremony can be an extremely powerful tool for personal development. But here's the catch. The changes, the healing, the growth, and the insights that you receive during a ceremony are not permanent. You must make them permanent. This is why it is often said that the real work begins after the ceremony ends. Anyone who has ever done a plant medicine ceremony knows that it can be it can be hard work, but the work done in ceremony is nothing compared to the work that must be done after the fact. This time after ceremony is called the integration period, and how you handle this integration period will determine if the growth Insights and healing you receive during the ceremony will become permanent or if you will will revert back to your old patterns. So what exactly is integration? What does it mean to integrate? Well, since this episode is about the power of words, let's look at the definition. According to Merriam-Webster, integration means coordination of mental processes into a normal effective personality or with the environment. Now, I really like this definition. It has a very alchemical feel to it. According to this definition, integration is the process of embodying the mental and spiritual changes you receive during the ceremony. In other words, integration is the process of taking appropriate action so that the growth, healing, and insights you receive during a ceremony manifest in the physical world. Integration is what makes the changes permanent. And when you think about it, integration is not unique to plant medicine ceremonies. Any and all permanent changes you have ever made went through an integration phase. All changes, positive or even negative changes, first began as a thought or idea in the mind. All change is created in the mental plane of existence before it is expressed in the physical plane. And the only way for it to be expressed is to take physical action. This means that the integration phase is the doing part of the alchemical process. It is the active part of manifestation. And Bruce Lee knew this when he said, Knowing is not enough. We must apply. Willing is not enough. We must do. This doing part or physical action is necessary for permanent change because as Joe Dispenza is famous for saying, Nerve cells that fire together wire together. So if we want to create permanent change, we must create new pathways in our brain. And we create new pathways by taking action. And the more action we take, the more we repeat a behavior, the stronger the pathway gets. 
Okay, so by this point, you might be wondering what any of this has to do with the power of words. Well, words are the bridge between the mental and physical planes of existence. Words are the vehicle that takes thoughts and ideas and turns them into reality. The words we speak dictate our actions and emotions and as a result are the driving factor in determining whether or not our integration process will be successful. So a successful integration is so a successful integration is necessary for permanent change, but it is just one part of a larger process which is called the manifestation process. All change and all creation is a product of manifestation. A plant medicine ceremony is a powerful tool for manifestation, but it's just one method. There are many paths to the top of the mountain. Manifestation is the alchemical process of turning an idea into a reality. In the alchemical world, the process of manifestation is represented by the holy trinity of sulfur, mercury, and salt. Sulfur represents our connection to source, our connection to the all. It represents our soul or consciousness. Mercury represents our mind or spirit. And salt represents our body or physical matter. So the way I like to think about it is this. There is the all, which is the source of everything. And because it's the source of everything, this means all manifestations, all creations, and all potential originate from this source. This is sulfur. So our minds act as receivers, just like a radio receiver that tunes into specific frequencies and obtains certain knowledge and information from the source, from the all. This information expresses itself as a thought or idea. So this is mercury. And as discussed, the only way to take this idea, this energetic potential, and turn it into a physical reality or salt is to take action. Well, words are the first step in taking action. Or better yet, that words are required for action. Without words, action cannot exist. This means that we manifest our reality through speech. We create our world with the words we speak. It also means that words are necessary for creation. In fact, It has been said, according to the Bible, that God created the universe with words. The first verse in the opening chapter of the Gospel of John states that, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now this is a profound statement all by itself because it associates God and the Word as the same thing. However, to truly understand the significance of this statement, we must also look at the first verse in the opening chapter of the book of Genesis, which says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, so when you combine these two opening statements, we are told that God created the heavens and the earth. We are also told that God and the Word are the same thing. This means the heavens and the earth were created by the Word. It means that God spoke existence into being. God said, Let there be light, and there was light. In the opening chapter of the book of Genesis, which is a creation story, it explains how by speaking words, God created everything out of nothing. The earth, 
oceans, land, plants, animals, and humans, all of it was spoken into existence. Then going back to the Gospel of John, in chapter 1, verse 14, we are told, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Now this verse is fascinating because it has several layers of meaning. One layer is that we were created by the Word. The Word becomes flesh. We are made of flesh. Therefore, we were created through speech. It is also a reference to God incarnating into human form and becoming Jesus. And that an even deeper layer, this verse tells us that because we were created by God or the Word, we are a part of God, or that the Word dwells within us. And because of this, we, just like God, possess the ability to create our reality with words. As above, so below. So how's that for the power of words? Okay, so quick side note about the Bible. I wasn't sure if I was going to bring this up because I didn't want to interrupt the flow of this episode, but I feel like I have to because if my younger self stumbled across this podcast and heard biblical verses being quoted, he would immediately lose interest and possibly even some respect from me. So for the majority of my life, I rebelled against religion and the Bible mainly because of the hypocritical nature of modern religions, particularly the death, destruction, wars, and even sexual abuse that is associated with them. Not to mention that most modern religions have become corrupt institutions that have been used for power, control, and influence for thousands of years. Because of this, it feels weird quoting the Bible. However, My journey has led me down a spiritual path, and this path has taught me that there is a big difference between being spiritual and being religious. Both spirituality and religion share many commonalities. Both are searching for questions like, where did we come from? Why are we here? What's our purpose? Does it all matter? And if so, what values should we follow and strive for so that we may become the best version of ourselves and serve our purpose? Both religion and spirituality are trying to understand the unknown, the all or sulfur. The difference between the two is the institution. Religions have become institutions, and institutions are human inventions which can and often do become corrupted by flawed human values. Spirituality, on the other hand, is not concerned with allegiance to any particular institution. It is just concerned with truth, understanding, and personal development. So when Bruce Lee said, absorb what is useful, discard what is useless, and add what is specifically your own, he was describing his philosophy on how to master your body and become the best martial artist possible. However, this philosophy applies to much more than developing the best fighting style. It can be and should be applied to everything. So taking the Bruce Lee approach to spirituality, which is the right approach, I have found that at its core, many ideas associated with religions, including many of the stories in the Bible, contain a lot of good information and many truths. So hopefully you are not turned off like I would have been in the past when hearing biblical verses, because once you can separate the religious ideas and stories away from the human institution, and dogma, you can find a lot of interesting information which contains truth. You just have to look a little deeper than the surface layer. So with all that being said, the Bible, which I am now learning is a really important book, 
tells us that words are extremely powerful, that they, were, that they are responsible for the creation of the universe, and that this ability to create with words resides within us. And it doesn't get much bigger than that. But it doesn't stop there. There are lots of other examples about the power of words. One such example is the idea of casting a spell. So what is a spell and how do you cast it? Well, according to vocabulary.com, a spell is a series of words that has magical powers. If you are under a spell, then what you do is out of your control. Your thoughts and actions are dictated by the spell. So while that's a fun definition, I feel like most people would say that would say spells are not real, that spells are just works of fiction, something we read about in Harry Potter novels. However, that could not be further from the truth. The truth is that all of us, you, me, and everyone we know actually cast spells every day, sometimes even multiple times a day. So let's break this down. So first, how does one cast a spell? By speaking words, right? All spells, fictional or not, have one thing in common, and that's words. So then, what are words? See, now we're really starting to get into it. Words are sounds or symbols that have a specific vibration, frequency, and meaning associated with them. And we know, thanks to the principle of vibration, that everything from physical objects to emotions is just energy vibrating at a specific frequency. This means words are a way of projecting frequencies or energies into the physical realm. And if you want to know the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. Right, this is Nikola Tesla. So words, when spoken, read, or even written, can and most often do produce an emotional response. And that emotional response is, more often than not, determined by the specific word being uttered or even read. For example, words can heal or they can harm. They can uplift or they can break down. They can motivate or they can discourage. They can create or they can destroy. Words can make you laugh, or they can make you cry. Words are necessary for the spreading of knowledge, information, and expanding one's consciousness. Likewise, words can also spread disinformation and hypnotize the masses. This is why it has been said that the pen is mightier than the sword, because words, because words project frequencies which create action, response, and influence. So now we're starting to see why words are so important. So, so then how are words created? Well, words are created by spelling. Words are created from letters, and letters are composed of specific symbols and sounds. So by arranging these symbols or sounds in a specified order, spelling, we produce vibrational frequencies that have meaning. We create words. So now it's getting really interesting because words are created by spelling and words are necessary for casting spells. So one thing I'm realizing on my journey is that the deeper you go, the more you realize that there are no coincidences. And it's no coincidence that we cast spells by spelling words. So 
let me give you an example to show you to show you not only how powerful words are, but also a spell we cast on ourselves all the time. So finish this sentence, okay? I am. All right, say it. I am. Now say something else. See, the possibilities are not only endless, but what's even crazier is the next word you say can have a huge impact on your overall well-being. One of the most powerful spells you can cast begins with just two words. I am. Think about it. I am strong. I am healthy. I am learning. I am growing. I am healing. I am excited. I am happy. I am motivated. Versus, I am depressed. I am sick. I am injured. I am weak. I am sad. I am lazy. I am poor. It's a big difference, right? Saying I am followed by something positive makes you feel a lot better than saying I am followed by something negative. By saying I am, you are casting a spell that will determine your reality. Even if you don't mean it, when you say I am sad, even if you're not sad, there is still a part of you that feels really bad after uttering those words. Sure, it only lasts for a second or two, but you still feel it. And try it. Say I am followed by something positive and then say I am followed by something negative and note the difference in how you feel. I am is such a powerful spell that you need to make sure that you never say I am followed by something negative. Also, you need to start paying attention to the words you speak because I have found that we often say I am followed by something negative and we're not even aware of it. For many, speaking negatively about themselves has become a subconscious program that runs all the time. So when you say I am, fill in the blank, you are shaping your reality. For example, when you say I am healthy, you begin the process of, cre- of creating a reality where you are healthy. Even if you are not as healthy as you would like to be, by saying I am, you are moving energy or casting a spell in the right direction. Saying I am healthy activates nerve cells, which then create pathways in your brain that are associated with being healthy. Nerve cells that fire together, wire together. Another example of common spells we cast that are negative, or at the very least do not serve us, is saying I want or I am trying instead of I am. I want to be healthy versus I am healthy, or I'm trying to heal versus I am healing. Which statements do you think are more powerful? Saying I want or I am trying puts the emphasis on wanting or trying instead of being, becoming, or doing. This is why Yoda said do or do not. There is no try. Okay, so think of a time. So let me give you an example. So think of a time when you were a complete beginner. Maybe you were at a yoga, fitness, or martial arts class and the instructor demonstrated a move with such ease it blew your mind because you didn't know the human body was capable of moving like that. After the demonstration, the instructor looks at you and says, now it's your turn. In this situation, most of us give an uncomfortable laugh and say, okay, I'll give it a try. Now, Here is why this is a bad spell, because trying is not doing. When you say you will try, you are acknowledging that you will most likely fail. 
And the truth is, you will fail. Make no mistake about it. No one becomes a master in one day. And that's okay. Failure is part of the growth process. I mean, to sound like a cheesy motivational speaker, it's not whether you get knocked down. It's whether you get back up. So, like I said, failure is part of the process. The goal, however, the goal and your mindset should be to succeed. The goal is to make progress. However, saying, I will try is expecting to fail. Your mindset is tuned into the frequency of failure. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And if you expect to fail, you will. So it's not like saying, okay, I will do it instead of, okay, I will try will magically make you successful on your first attempt or even 30th attempt. But saying I will do it instead of I will try formulates a positive mindset which begins the process of reprogramming your brain for success. Nerve cells that fire together, wire together. So we must understand that We cast spells all the time. In fact, every time we speak, we are projecting frequencies into the physical world which determine our actions and emotions. And the crazy part about this, most people have no idea they're casting these powerful spells. So whether you believe it or not, spells are real and you cast them daily. So because of this, it is in your best interest interest to learn how to speak properly Now, I'm by no means an expert on words. In fact, I've just started learning about this within the last year or so. However, I've discovered a simple technique to help you cast spells more effectively, which is right out of the Joe Dispenza playbook. The technique is to say positive words with an elevated emotion. Positive words said while being in a state of positive positive emotion is way more powerful than positive words said while being in a state of of negative emotion. This means saying, I am healthy, I am successful, I am strong, while being in a state of love, gratitude, or joy amplifies the power behind the words. It strengthens the wiring of the nerve cells. However, I must now give you a warning. And this is a big warning. This goes both ways. Saying something negative while being in a state of negative emotion is extremely powerful too. But trust me, it's not the kind of power you want to mess with. Unfortunately, many people do this all the time. Which brings me to the idea of cursing someone or using curse words. When we put a curse on someone, we want it to affect them in a negative way. We want them to experience negative thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Likewise, when we curse at someone, when we cuss someone out, we want the same thing. We want them to have a negative experience. Remember that curses also work on yourself. Many of us curse ourselves all the time and we're not even aware of it. Every time we have negative self-talk, we are placing a negative spell or curse on ourselves. So we need to be extremely careful with what we say. We need to be careful what we wish for. Because when we speak negatively while being mad, angry, or jealous, which are states of negative emotion, we are projecting curses into the universe with amplified power, which directly affects our immediate environment. If you don't believe me, I challenge you to really pay attention 
to not only the words you say, but also the words other people say. You can learn a lot by listening to other people. So start listening. Really concentrate on the words being spoken, sung, or written in your immediate environment. After a short while doing this, you'll start to notice that the people who tend to say negative things about themselves and others are rarely happy. They tend to experience what we call bad luck more often than most. And as a result, they seem to be in a constant state of struggle. It almost seems like they have been cursed. Likewise, notice how the people who tend to say positive things about themselves and others always seem to be in a, good, in a great mood. They are much happier, and good things always seem to happen to them. They tend to win much more than they lose. Like I mentioned earlier, there are no coincidences, and it's no coincidence that speaking positively leads to positive outcomes, and vice versa. And this is verified by the principle of cause and effect. Positive causes produce positive effects, and positive effects produce positive causes. We reap what we sow. So to bring this full circle, positive changes are only possible with positive speech. Or I should say, or I should really say, true changes are only possible with true speech. Because all this talk about positivity is not an invitation to live in la-la land, where everything is beautiful and there is nothing but rainbows and unicorns. Because we live in a polar world where light and dark can't exist without each other. This means sometimes harsh words are appropriate. Sometimes saying the truth hurts people. Sometimes you have to use assertive words to stand up for yourself. And sometimes you have to use words to combat against evil forces. As crazy as that sounds, it's absolutely true. Words can be extremely positive, but they can also be weapons. And the way you defend against these weapons is to become a master of words. So in order to become a master of words, you must practice speaking with intention determination, purpose, and truth because the words you speak have the power to rewire your brain, direct your actions, determine your emotions, change your environment, and even influence the minds of other people. And that, my friends, is a lot of power. So I guess what I'm trying to say is the words you say and the words you hear determine everything. See you on the other side.